Hey, what's up, you guys? This is April with the For Richer or Horror podcast, and today we'll be finishing up the series on I Dared My Best Friend to Ruin My Life. I do want to correct myself from last week. Okay, so my mom and I were on the phone a few days ago, and she told me I pronounced a word wrong. And when she said how it was properly pronounced, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I know that word. So I said Viola. I don't know why. Uh, maybe because I was channeling she's the man or something. I don't know. But anyway, it's actually properly pronounced voila. <laughs> so I feel like a dumbass. But um, yeah, I just wanted to put that in there that yes, mom, you're right. It is voila. And I said Viola. My bad. Anyway, let's go ahead and get on into the final part of I Dared My Best Friend to Ruin My Life. Part seven. Hi everyone, I'll get back to where we left off. I honestly don't remember most of the night after the car crash. I only have glimpses of memories and I won't try to coherently express them here. I got my bearings back after I'd slept off the shock. My higher functions kicked back into gear after I'd gone to a grocery store and bought a small amount of food. The amount of hunger that shock can induce is extreme. I rifled through the backpack and found exactly what David had said. Shoes, a pair of clothes, $2,000 cash and $100 and $20 bills, and a road atlas booklet. I still have that atlas and use it when I'm moving on. Once I had food, water, and inventory in my belongings, I could start to plan and work. I dumped my jail clothes into a dumpster and paid for a haircut to try and alter my appearance. Yes, I washed the blood off my face and hair before going on. When I looked into the mirror afterwards, I still recognized myself, so I paid the hairdresser to dye my hair too. I know there were self-dying kids that cost way less, but I had nowhere to do it. I knew I couldn't stay in this town because David wouldn't know exactly where to find me. I had no idea how long this truce would last, so I had no intention of staying here one more night. I bought a bus ticket to an adjacent state and arrived only a few hours later. The town I chose was larger than what I had come from. This was intentional so that I could have anonymity and a better selection of services for the homeless. This town had a soup kitchen that I could use to cut down on costs as well as a homeless shelter. I knew I couldn't live long in the already dwindling $2,000, so I started going to the library and searching online for odd jobs. I had to find something that wouldn't run a background check if at all possible because of the manhunt that was probably going on for me. I saw nothing about it in the news yet, but it had only been a day. After a week of searching, I found a job at a CD telemarketing place that paid cash under the table. You'd be surprised how many of these there are. I hated the work, but I was out of the sun and making some money. Before I found a rundown and half-empty apartment complex to live in and pay weekly, I slept in the homeless shelter. I could have stayed there and saved a lot of money, sure, but I hated going there and voided it as long as possible when nighttime came. The money I spent on the apartment was well worth it. I had some semblance of a life set up, and now I could get the real work done. I'd gone to the mall and bought the cheapest prepaid Android phone that they had and signed up for a monthly subscription that gave me unlimited data as well as texts and calls. I need to find a store to pay cash and top off every month, but it was an inexpensive plan. And I needed internet when the library was closed. During the days I'd spent my time in the library with a cheap notebook I'd bought, doing more research similar to what I'd done in the Walmart parking lot. I also spent a lot of time working out and trying to get stronger. Before I had the apartment, I'd paid a gym membership and showered there instead of at the homeless shelter. I decided to keep the membership and use their machines to get a more effective workout. 
The plan at the time had been to stay alive and away from David and the cops. I stayed inside the day the news broke of my escape in the other state. The police finally admitted to needing help in finding me and went public for a request of information. They listed off the crimes I was accused of as well as a request to question me in regards to the two dead policemen. I wrote down every detail of the investigation, though none of it proved useful other than his background knowledge. I kept up with the sporadic news releases so I could stay as far ahead of the cops as possible. For the next six months, I stayed in the city. During that time, I learned a lot, living on a tiny budget, home repairs when the landlord wouldn't fix anything, hiding when you suspect you're being followed, and navigating the streets at night all became second nature to me. I also continued to study computers and networks. I am by no means any kind of licensed professional. I learned by deciding what I wanted to know how to do and then practicing it over and over. One day I was at the library when the news was published online. David fucking King was suspected of murdering the two cops. I was ecstatic and couldn't believe my luck. David King had finally made a mistake that cost him. The news story did not specify why the police suspected him, but I didn't care. David was gonna get what he deserved. A month passed with still no news on whether David had been captured or not. I found myself tempted to call Detective Hernandez and ask what he knew, but I didn't. I learned a lot of self-control and risk assessment during these seven months. Risk analysis was built into my daily decisions. After checking for news on David for the third time in a week, I decided that I would no longer be a bystander waiting for David to be caught. I decided to be actively hunting David. So I know he was good at computers. The internet was the best place to begin looking for traces of him. I searched hundreds of forums, scouring for a list of keywords that I thought David would either post or look for. I wouldn't include that list here. In only a couple weeks, I found one of his online accounts on Stack Exchange. I took notes on everything he commented as well as his account activity. Fortunately, he had kept the same account for several years. Granted, it was still under a pseudonym, but he kept it. He still uses it today, actually. I just checked. He was logged in seven hours ago when I wrote this. Once I found one account, it held clues to many others. He slipped out information accidentally that I could use to locate his other accounts. Posts like, I've asked this question on this other form and got no response, so now I'm asking it here. That would link to two accounts and reveal yet another gold mine of data for my research. I spent weeks gathering pseudonyms, post records, and IP addresses he'd used. Anything I could find with tools I had available. Some pseudonyms he used more than once and others he created as throwaway names. The research gave me an invaluable insight into the way David thinks, talks, and acts. I got to know him on a level I could never have hoped to understand from just being his friend in high school. It made my hate for him grow, not diminish. I didn't only check the regular web either. Some people claim the deep web is a terrifying place where you can get killed at every turn, but it isn't if you don't act stupid. I installed Tor and began doing the same data mining in the deep web. The results were fantastic. I found catalogs worth of information. I was able to identify a lot of his false identities online and then map them to the fake social media pages he had created for them when he might need a cover up. All of this came because he insisted on using the same usernames over and over again. Why did he do that? Because he wanted people to know who he was when they interacted and respect him? Weakness. One day, just for the hell of it, I sent him a message to one of his accounts. I made my email address visible on purpose. He'd need it. 
The spam mail started instantly after that. The response was so childish and brash that I was smiling that whole day. I knew that I could get to him. I also tried calling the psychological institute that David's records would be at. If I was lucky, I could get my hands on another copy of his evaluation and study it with new eyes. There was no such luck, however. David had called them and told them not to send copies to anyone because he was the current victim of fraud. How ironic. I was able to use his accounts that were used the most to track down his location. Sometimes he used a VPN, sometimes he didn't. Recently, last week actually, he moved to a nearby city. He seemed to be following his own instructions to his partner to move along after only a couple days. He was jumping from city to city, but not crossing the entire country every time he moved. He was making a snake-like trail throughout the country. I went over to the town that he'd moved to and walked the streets for hours, hoping for a glimpse of him. It was just my luck that he walked out of a grocery store just as I was walking in. He didn't notice me, but I followed him back to where he was staying. For a couple of days, at least I knew where he was. The next few days were spent in surveillance. I watched him day and night, following him everywhere. I saw no sign of Katie being with him though, which made sense. His partner only came to visit once. He stayed for only 10 minutes before leaving in a car I hadn't seen him arrive in. I blew my only opportunity to follow him since I had no car of my own. When David moved on, I followed him. I slept on the streets again, unwilling to let him leave my sight. I followed him around and learned so much about him from his routines and habits. I learned so much about my enemy and my nemesis that I was finally ready to confront him for the first time. And now, everyone... We came to the crux of the story. This is the focal point that the entire series has led up to. Hello, David King. I know you're reading this. I see you checking it during your morning coffee routine at Starbucks. It took you a few days to find it, but I knew that if I told the story through to the end and gained enough popularity, you'd find it. The more people who became interested, the more likely you were to see it. And now, here you are. I'm sitting here watching to see your face when you read this part. This has been the buildup of the entire series. I wrote all of this for this one moment. You're reading every comment. I've seen you scrolling through them and opening sub-comments to see what they say. You're very invested in what everyone has to say. And the one thing you can conclude from the comments is this. Everyone here hates you. Every last one. Hundreds of people now hate you. Many of them have offered time, talent, and cunning towards your complete destruction. I've refused their help until now. I want Katie back. All my stalking hasn't told me what really matters, where she is. So I'm using this thread to get to you. Either you give Katie back, or I release everything about you to all the people who hate you. I know aliases, addresses, phone numbers, comments admitting to illegal activity, social security numbers, driver's license, passports, online account names, everything. The police will have it all too. I've been tracking you for so long, David. The first few lines of every post where I said, for example, that you'd almost found me, they were lies. I've been watching from afar during the entire publication of these posts, but now, as I'm about to press submit, you just bought a sandwich at Jimmy John's, the meatball sub. It's currently Saturday, July 2nd, 7.32 p.m. There's your proof that I'm nearby. 
convinced yet? Bring Katie to Wellis Park at 10 p.m. tonight and leave your partner behind. If you don't show, I will release all of the information I have, dedicate the rest of my life to updating that information and releasing it to anyone here who wants to do something about it. I've set up a time release of this information. It will be automatically posted via private message to everyone who has ever commented on these threads and they will spread it even further. The timed release will occur at 3 a.m. tonight unless I'm here to stop it. You need two people to stop it. Each one will have their own password. No, I won't tell you who the other person is. For everyone else here on the thread, I will have another post up in at least 48 hours. I'm giving myself a time buffer to respond in case David tries anything stupid. If I don't write an update and the information has been released, you'll know what happened. You have all asked what you could do to help me. If you receive the information, do what you need to do. See you soon, David. Part 8 Well, I'm back. Hi everyone, I'm alive. I, well, I'll just start telling you what happened. I'm starting to shake even as I think about it, writing it down, but I have to finish this. After I posted my last update, it was go time. I've been preparing for this event for so long that it was hard to believe that I had just hit submit. I couldn't go through and comment to everyone that part 7 was up. Sorry, I had to see David's reaction. I put my phone in my pocket and watched David from across the street. He was eating dinner just like I said in my post. His phone clearly went off because he perked up his head and grabbed his phone from the table. I'd seen his phone go off whenever I posted before, so I knew he had sent an alert. I watched his eyes scan the post with interest. Then his eyes slowly widened. I knew when he reached my favorite part because his gaze shot up and looked around the restaurant. He wrapped up his sandwich and quickly walked out of the restaurant, his eyes scanning the street while stealing glances at his phone to keep reading. It was a very satisfying scene. It makes me smile just thinking about it. I didn't follow him home. Instead, I waited for the inevitable email. Do you know why David was so scared of my information release? He was scared because the internet was his safe haven. He was powerful there. When we'd had our dare conversation and for so long after that, I was the computer illiterate one and he ruled that domain. Now I've managed to track him in his safe place. Before, I had been weak and an easy target for his games. Now that I had seriously fought back and threatened him, he was worried. The email came while I was still seeing him walk away. Hello, Xander. Bravo. But I'm not going to meet public, he wrote. To be honest, I posted Wellis Park online because I figured he'd want to change the location if it was a public place, and I didn't want to release the real address online. I didn't want anyone crashing the party and getting hurt. Sorry for lying. I'll be apologizing for lying a lot by the end of this post. I told him that I'd email him in the new address 15 minutes before it was time to meet. He didn't respond. I didn't want him to have the address too early and show up to set any traps. He really should have countered with a location of his own, but he didn't. I stood up. Time to go to the warehouse and wait. The location I had chosen used to be a warehouse of some kind. I didn't care what it had been used for, only that it was abandoned and guarded. If Dave had tried anything stupid, which I thought he was going to do, 
I didn't want any more innocent bystanders in the way. I took an Uber to a suburban area a few blocks away. When the Uber left, I walked to the warehouse. When I arrived, it was already almost 9 p.m. Not completely dark yet, but getting there. I walked around the perimeter of the warehouse looking for any sign that David had beaten me here. There wasn't any sign that I could see. I approached a side door and pulled a key out of my pocket. I unlocked the chains from the door handle and stored them just inside the door as I entered. The soundscape changed from the ambient evening in the city to a tomb. The factory had a single floor that was one big open space. High above it, catwalks ran along the rafters, all leading from the warehouse manager's office, which was a metal cube suspended at one end of the warehouse. Shelf scaffolding that had been abandoned broke up the empty space. Crates and pallets were strewn around here and there, making hiding places. I had previously come and strategically arranged them in case it came down to a firefight. That's also when I had put chains on every door. There were four entrances in the warehouse, not including the windows near the ceiling. I had chained them all except the one I entered through. That was my funnel. If you've ever gone hunting for live game, you know what I'm talking about. There was nothing left to do but wait now. I sent him the address at 945. A rattling at the front door alerted me that he was here. He was half an hour late, which was an attempt to unnerve me. The door jolted repeatedly, but the chains held it shut. It was dark now. The only light streamed in the windows from industrial-style streetlights outside. How am I supposed to meet you here if you don't let me in? David called from outside. The hair on the back of my neck rose despite all my preparations. It was time. David tried all three doors. He skipped over the only one that was unlocked until he absolutely had to. He knew what a funnel was, but he had no choice. The windows were too high and would result in a very high fall once he got in. The side door silently opened and in walked David fucking King. I stayed where I was behind a wooden crate stacked with pallets. If he came in shooting, I didn't want to be an easy target. Slow clapping filled the echoing room. Well done, David chanted. I peered through the pallets to see the door shut behind him. He was alone. Where is she? I said, just loud enough to be heard. I'm so very impressed with you, Xander. Completely unexpected. He pulled his phone out of his pocket, lighting up the wall behind him. He began to read, Fuck you, David. Hashtag, fuck David King. Xander, you brilliant bastard. Go get your girl. We're coming for you, David. Thousands of these. Almost all saying the same thing. How does it feel to have people rooting for you? Do you feel better equipped to fight me now? Where is she? I enunciated. David knocked on the door behind him and it opened. In shuffled Katie. Her face was red and shimmering with tears. Duct tape had been wrapped around her entire head several times, covering her mouth. Her wrists had been similarly wrapped. A band of tape also tied her ankles together, but had enough slack that she could take some small steps. A thick arm was wrapped around her neck as a tall, blonde man with extremely curly hair guided her into the room. I said to leave your partner behind, I shouted. It echoed. If you don't want him here, then come kill him, David said. I didn't respond. God fucking damn it. So, Xander, how'd you like to proceed? You're running the show here, David called, looking around the warehouse. Send Katie forward and leave. 
Sorry, I don't have a guarantee that you won't release all the information anyway. Come on out here and we'll discuss my terms. Like hell I am. David looked to his partner, and his partner used his free arm to punch Katie in the side. She cried out as best as she could through the duct tape and faltered, but the blonde man held her up by the neck. We can do this all night, David smirked. I stood up. My hiding spot was off to David's left, so I walked in a semicircle until I was directly in David's line of sight. Come closer, he grinned. I stepped forward until we were a couple yards apart. Look how you've changed, he smirked. Your hair looks good. You should always dye it darker. You're so stoic now, confident. Being on the run has changed you. I guess all we had to do to increase the minimum required effort was go on the run, huh? Then maybe we could have avoided this whole mess. Then again, it's all been so fun. Let's get this over with, I growled. So hostile, David commented. What's your first term? He leaves, I pointed to the blonde man. Okay, David shrugged. Before I could process what was happening, he pulled a handgun from his jacket pocket and shot the blind man in the face. He collapsed, dragging Katie with him. Katie gave a muffled shriek and untangled herself from his body, dragging herself backwards along the floor. She backed into the wall and stayed there, eyes wide. David looked down at the body before slowly turning his head to me. My turn. Jesus Christ. It finally hit me how in over my head I was. I might understand David King, but I could never, ever match his sickness. It occurred that I could die that night, despite David's rules. Show me the data, he said. That's my first term. I want to know exactly what you're going to release, so I know it's worth my only bargaining chip. I tried to hide my shaking hands as I pulled my phone out. I went into my email drafts on a throwaway account where I saved a copy and emailed it to him. I sent it to you, I said. David smiled reassuringly. Fast as a lizard, he spun around and snatched Katie off the floor. She screamed as he stood her up and held her in front of him. I pulled my Ruger SR-45 handgun out of the concealed carry holster I'd worn and tried to get a clear shot. He was too fast and had caught me by surprise, so she was in front of him before I'd even lined him up in the sight. So, you got a gun after all, he said coolly. Didn't see that part in your posts. Relax, I'm just making sure I can read in peace. He held up the gun to her head with one hand while opening his phone with the other. My mind raced, trying to figure out the next step. David had waltzed into a hostage negotiation that I had arranged myself and took over. He took his time reading through the data dump. His expression changed between surprise and a smirk repeatedly. Well now, he said, putting his phone away and slipping his now furry arm around Katie's neck. I had no idea I was so careless, he said. He sounded anything but careless. Katie gasped as he suddenly gripped her neck tighter and pressed the muzzle against her temple. Let's move somewhere smaller, he said, looking up at the manager's box. I don't want you running away when the going gets tough. You first, Zansand, he said, nodding his head toward the stairs to his right. The door he had entered from had a set of graded stairs off to the right that led up to the manager's box. They went up toward the back wall, then turned to the left straight into the side of the manager's box. Another set of stairs should have been on the other side mirroring these, but they had been disassembled and lay in a heap. I kept my face to David as I walked towards the stairs. I kept my gun pointed in his direction and he kept his muzzle against Katie's head. Katie was sobbing and watching me. When I reached the stairs, I slowly backed up them. 
David followed once I was halfway up. At the top of the stairs, the door to the office stood. To the left, a graded walkway led out over the floor, spreading into catwalks that sprawled the entire place. I opened the metal door to the office and backed in. The only furniture in the room were two heavy wood tables. The rest of the office was bare. A thin slit of a window overlooked the warehouse floor. David pushed Katie into the room with his arms still around her neck and shut the door behind him. I followed him with my gun, standing against the opposite wall where the second door leading into the office was. The office was big enough that we were still a few yards away from one another. Now, I don't have to worry about you running off into the dark warehouse. As fun as hide-and-seek sounds, I don't have the time. You know, when I found your post, I thought I had stumbled across some sort of therapy story that you were putting up, but it was so much better. You really have surprised me. You've grown and changed to try and beat me, David smiled, but you haven't changed enough. I can see it in your face and your trembling hands. You're still you, Xander. You've changed your exterior, but inside you have the same motivations and weaknesses. He tightened his grip on Katie again. I know your next term is for me to let Katie go, so I'm going to skip your turn. I know you would prefer that she remained in my custody rather than getting shot, so I suggest you put your gun down. I stood my ground. I wanted to take a shot, but I didn't want to risk him being faster than me. I was confident in my aim, but not my speed. Put it down, he said again. I stayed. In an instant, the gun had left her temple, fired a shot into the floor, and returned to her head. She sobbed, and the heat of the barrel on her skin must have hurt. I'm not fucking around, Xander, David shouted. Slowly, I set the gun on the floor and kicked it in his direction. Good choice, he said calmly. Have you realized why you're here yet? My face answered him. What did that even mean? Of course I did. You think you're here to save Katie, but you aren't. She's been gone for a year now, and you've only built up memories of her. The Katie you know is dead, but not even that Katie is the reason you're here right now. No, you gave up on happily ever after with Katie long ago. This isn't a hero's quest to save the princess. This is a revenge assault on the dragon. I tightened my jaw. I refuse to admit he was right. This isn't about saving her. This is about outsmarting me. Keeping Katie safe and sound is just the result, David said, his smile growing. So, in that sense, you and I are the same now. It's about outsmarting the other one. You started out simply living life, then progressed to defending yourself, then to protecting your loved ones, and now you've arrived where I wanted you to be all along, trying to ruin me. It took you a couple years, but you made it, at least most of the way. Even if Katie isn't the true reason you're here, she's still a weakness. I'm going to guess that the other people in your life are the same way. You still have weaknesses that tie you down. I learned how to get rid of mine. Like your own mother, I snipped. She was liability, he said coldly. It wasn't personal. You're a sick fuck, I said. The door behind David silently opened. I had oiled those hinges for hours, making sure they made absolutely no noise. I'm about to get a lot sicker, he said. He started to pull the trigger when he was tackled from behind. Katie tumbled out of his grasp as he tried to use both arms to catch himself. His gun went off, but the shot hit the wall. Katie rolled away from David's reach. David started to get up, but the assailant was on their feet faster. David, on his hands and knees, looked up at the attacker. Remember me, bitch! Clark jeered. 
and then punched a downward arc into the side of David's head. David dropped to the floor, but he was still conscious. He grabbed Clark's leg and tore him to the ground. I raced forward and pulled Katie out of the scuffle. I dragged her out of the door before getting her to her feet and cutting the tape off of her hands with my pocket knife. This wasn't time to get the layers off her head. She was wide-eyed. Run, I hissed. Go outside. The cops will be here soon. I turned back inside to go help Clark. Not a romantic reunion, I know, but there was still a psychopath in there. David and Clark were wrestling on the floor, throwing punches and grappling with one another. David was bigger and landed a few hard punches. I looked over my shoulder, making sure Katie was stumbling down the steps. I dove in, aiming for my gun that was just beside the scuffle. David saw me and kicked my legs like a tentacle out of the ocean. I tripped and knocked the gun into the corner when I fell. David suddenly shoved Clark off of him, practically tossing him onto one of the tables. I watched as David jumped up and made for his gun. I writhed on the ground and kicked. My toes barely caught the gun and sent it skittering across the room. There were two guns in the room, both on opposite sides, two of us and only one of him. Clark rolled off the desk and jumped onto David as he ran for the gun. They both slammed into the wall. I crawled for my gun, which was just out of reach by a couple of feet. There was another crash behind me. My fingers wrapped around the gun and I twisted around on the ground, aiming it in their direction. I had turned just in time to see David fire a shot into Clark. There was no hesitation as I squeezed the trigger. It struck his shoulder. He rolled to face me. I fired again and again and again and again. Even after he'd stumbled back against the wall and slid down, I kept firing just to be sure. Just to make sure that that fucker would never get back up again. My gun clicked to alert me that I'd emptied the clip. Ten shots, and every one had hit David fucking King. I exhaled and dropped the gun, letting my head fall back to the floor. My heart pounded, my whole body shook, but I couldn't rest yet. Shakily, I got to my feet and stumbled over to Clark. He was crumbled against the wall, clutching his left shoulder. Blood oozed through his fingers. Damn, he shot me, he said, clearly in shock. That's when the police sirens could be heard. Get out of here, he said to me. No, I'm gonna. I'll be fine. Police will be here any second to help me. Just get out. Go back on the run. I'll contact you when it's safe, Clark yelled. Go. I'm not letting you get arrested again until they get the back straight. I rushed to the door, stuffing the Ruger back in my pants as I moved. I paused at the door. Thank you, I said, looking at Clark. Go, he yelled again. I sprinted down the steps and ran to the door furthest in the back of the building. I unlocked the chains on the door and pulled it open, ducking into the night. I had run this path over and over, making sure it was good enough for an escape in case something went wrong. I went to my previously established hiding place and hunkered down to stay hidden. I sent a text to the server my script was on and entered the password to cancel the info dump. There had never been a second person. That was a bluff. There's no reason to release that information to you now since David's dead. I'm sorry. I really appreciate the level of support to ruin David, but there's no point now. I thought he'd still be alive afterward. The police will get it eventually as evidence, though. I also tapped out I'm alive in the Reddit thread to alert everyone that I'd survived. Then I collapsed into sleep. This morning, I was thinking clearly again and feeling better. I ate and drank lots to counter the shock. I have started making plans on where I'll go next. It isn't safe to stay here much longer. 
The news hasn't said anything about the incident yet, but I'm sure the story will break eventually. I've stayed glued to the radio app on my phone all day today, and I'm even listening right now, hoping for an update on Katie or Clark. Thank you, Reddit. You've helped me remain positive these past few days and set this trap. It's finally done. I regret so many things about what I did and how I reacted in the past. I should have fought more forcefully before it came to this. I was too scared though and didn't really understand David, but now I do. Only now, it doesn't matter because he's gone. From here, I'll continue to stay on the run. I don't plan to turn myself in until Hernandez says the prosecution is ready to drop all charges. Hernandez is trying his hardest back at home to mitigate the evidence against me in all of those charges. Clark's testimony about what happened last night should really help reduce the credibility of David's claims. Plus, the GoPros were set up around the warehouse won't hurt. David's confession about his mother was a bonus I hadn't expected. Originally, we had intended to lock David in the manager's office for the police to find. Clark had called the police just before attacking. Circumstances had changed that plan. Some of you may wonder, well, what if David hadn't taken you up in the manager's office? We had contingency plans. That wasn't the only option. Regardless, all of our plans involved arresting David, not killing him. It was a last resort option and wasn't built into any plan. I didn't know I was prepared to kill until I had my gun aimed at David King. I don't think I've fully processed the fact that I've killed someone. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel or act or think or anything. I feel like I'm acting the wrong way. Anyway, there's another part that will help persuade the prosecutor to drop the charges against me. I lied before when Hernandez came to visit me in jail. I said he told me he couldn't talk about Isaac's death, but he did tell me. They had found a video file on Isaac's computer from the day he died. He'd been recording himself playing video games for YouTube when there was a crash of silverware in the background. Isaac didn't hit pause on the recording and left the room to investigate. David came flying back into the room, shoving Isaac into the bookcases. He slammed the door and was on him in seconds. The assault lasted only minutes. David walked out, leaving the door wide open. The camera watched him come back into the room with my pillow. He held the pillow over Isaac's body and hit it repeatedly. All the dead skin from my pillow fell on Isaac's body. They found those traces on Isaac's body, but the video proved that I hadn't killed him. David had walked out and locked the door behind him. He'd made a mistake and hadn't checked what was running on the computer. All he saw was the game. Hernandez and I had been in contact while I was first on the run. I lied about that too. When I first contacted him, he started crying on the phone, apologizing repeatedly. He told me that he knew if I stayed in jail that I would, at the very least, lose a lot of time of my life while the trial went on. Even if David was accused later as more evidence came out. He had accepted David's deal and demanded that I be given half of the $15,000 he was paid. David, as you know, only gave me 2000 but Hernandez had hoped it would help me lay low and evade capture until he could successfully contest the evidence. We fully intended to report the bribe to the police. He told me that after my escape from the car, the police were very suspicious of the circumstance of my escape. There were too many holes in the story, and Hernandez had been sure to point out every last one repeatedly to his boss. A lot of you pointed them out too. 
paint from the truck rubbing off, bars separating from the front seat to the back seat, GPS in the truck marking his whereabouts, location of the crash in relation to the time David sounded the alarm, etc. David had clearly been desperate to get me out of jail. He risked bribing an official and left a lot of his plan up to chance to get me out. David just didn't want to end the game yet. If I went to jail, it was over. Yet, there were still so many ways he could ruin my life. His need for quick action led to mistakes. Hernandez also told me when he came to visit that Jackson had turned up. He'd come home a couple days after I was arrested and was brought in for questioning. He had proof and witnesses that he'd been staying with his family for a few days. When asked about the break-in and theft, he told his story. David had knocked at the door just as Jackson was finishing packing to go on vacation. He told Jackson that he was a friend of mine and was helping me move out. Jackson let him in and finished packing. He was just walking towards the door with his suitcase when David asked if he'd be willing to help carry out the TV. Jackson agreed and carried it out with David. He then grabbed his suitcase and left, asking David to lock up when he was done. That's when he started stealing everything and trashing her house. That's also when Isaac would have come out and been killed. It solved the riddle of why the door had been locked and not broken when Clark found the apartment stripped there. There were still some questions that I don't have the answers to. We haven't been able to figure out what he did with all the things he stole from us. We also don't know who the partner was. Hernandez should know that in a few days and let me know. I also don't know how the keylogger got on my computer or when the tracking app was installed on my phone or how David was able to provide my social security number, driver's license, and all the other accurate information to the credit card companies. The same goes for the fraud that he was committing against my parents. I can't help but wonder if David had been in our house before the break-in and done all of that. As for Clark, his disgraceful exit was a fabrication to throw David off. It was my idea to make him disappear from my life and take the target off his back. It was both to protect him from David's rage and so that he could support me in the background. His mom did come and bail him out, but she was much kinder about the situation and worried like all moms do. When I messaged Clark to tell him my plan in posting this series, he immediately jumped to help me, and without him, I'd still be watching David and waiting for a good moment to strike. It was his idea to plant the information about hiding his bank information on scraps of paper around town. It was placed as a joke, and a way to tell if he was reading the series. We wanted to see if David would go hunting for them. He didn't, but that was probably because he was on the run still. Clark's arraignment didn't go so well. He's still being charged with a misdemeanor for graffitiing David's old house. An expert was called to analyze the photographs and identify them as authentic and undoctored. Either David had someone doing one hell of a Photoshop job, or he took the pictures from angles that cut me out naturally. We are still trying to figure out how to resolve his problem. With Katie, I have yet to see her beyond those brief moments while confronting David. It's been only a few days for all of you throughout the series, but for all of us, she's been missing a year. I have no idea what David and his partner might have done to her during all that time. I don't know when I will ever be able to see her again since I'm still on the run until the charges are dropped, if the charges are dropped, that is. I'm scared to see her. I know David did it, but I feel responsible. I wonder if she blames me. I wonder if she hates me. Maybe one day I'll know. What David said has shaken me. I spent a lot of time thinking about it today. He told me I was there for him and not for Katie. 
that I was after the dragon, not the princess, I realized that he's right. I've read a few of your responses and agree with you. I didn't write all that much about Katie during the series. If it had been about Katie, I would have written more. The fact that I left her to go back and fight says volumes about why I set this trap. David was right. It wasn't about Katie. Katie was a result. It makes me feel guilty and dirty to think about it. Maybe it would be best if I never saw her again. She's not likely to want to see me. Katie, if you're ever reading this, if you can ever handle it, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Once again, thank you, Reddit. You've helped so much with your support, encouragement, and your unknowing aid in making this trap for David. I couldn't have done this without you. The last two years have been hell, but it's finally over. We ruined David fucking King. So that was I Dared My Best Friend to Ruin My Life. What did you guys think? Were you expecting that? Honestly, I wasn't expecting Xander to kill David. That was like completely out of left field. Makes sense though. I mean, like it's kind of last resort kind of thing, but still kind of sad with, you know, Katie because that's kind of how it was starting, but then it just trailed off. And I mean, he was right. It really wasn't about Katie. It was, it was about David. But anyway, I hope you guys liked that story. Since I've done four of these in a row, I'm going to take a little break from the creepypastas. So I mix it up a little bit. You know, we might get some stories about skinwalkers or we might get a true crime episode you know try to mix it up maybe some urban legends keep it interesting anyway guys i hope you stuck around for the whole series i hope you enjoyed it i hope you enjoyed the fact that i didn't mispronounce voila ever again you know thanks mom for correcting me on that anyway i'll wrap this up i hope you guys listen next week bye